This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe who talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, Ross, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Enjoying my weekend while, while I'm at it. Yeah, it could be the last weekend we get to enjoy for a little while, eh? With all the news that's been happening. Unfortunately, um, Joe's had to miss this episode. He's, um, of course, in the news last night, which we'll get on to in a second. Um, he's had to go into work today. Um, but no worries. As we've mentioned in our tweet from last night, we've got Jonathan back on the pod. And uh, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, just hope everyone's keeping well, especially after the news yesterday. That's all. Yeah, definitely. And that's what we wanted to touch upon before we even got on to the football. Um, obviously... The government yesterday announced that from Thursday, we're going to go into a month-long lockdown into the start of December. Um, and of course, the EFL subsequently came out and said that football is going to continue on as usual. But, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's OK. It's listening to the pod. Um, you know, we tweeted out before the game yesterday that, you know, you can speak to either myself, Ross, Joe, and I'm sure Jonathan would also welcome your messages. Um, and it's important we stay positive in this time and talk to everyone and, you know, try and keep yourself... Uh, busy and not overthinking stuff and I'm sure all of us lads will echo that message um, going forward so yeah so let's not avoid the subject anymore uh, obviously we played our good friends SW17 uh, yesterday afternoon and we uh, drew 1-1 for me it was a it was a pretty underwhelming performance um, I did I'm not, I don't want to be too smug, but I did say that we wouldn't have enough to beat down this AFC team, and unfortunately, I was correct. Um, it, this wasn't a great performance, and we've titled this podcast the Roller Coaster Creativity because that's what it is at the moment. We either we either go from this team that you know against like uh, Gillingham and, for example, and Wigan, where we can trade loads of chances, score loads of goals, or we get one like we did on Saturday, where we're just really poor and just don't seem to um, want to put teams away and not be efficient with the ball, essentially. Uh, Jonathan, I'm sure guess, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on the performance yesterday? 
Well, after after ten minutes, I was fearing the worst. Um, I'm not quite sure if it was offside. Obviously, we only got one camera angle, but um, Russell Martin was convinced that both Jerome's was onside and Piggott was off. But um, we had to react quickly, and we did. Man of the moment, Fraser got in there and scored. And uh, I thought, right, let's kick on and. Uh, and get the win, but it, I don't know, we just seemed a bit, when we got to the final third, we got, it seemed a bit flat. Um, we were doing a lot of our attacks down down the left, sorry, Nolan wasn't quite at it with his delivery, um, really weren't utilising Reed and Paul all that well, I thought, and uh, second half, um, admittedly, AFC could have, uh, could have won it if it wasn't for two good saves from Andrew Fisher, so after the Wigan performance, I was really disappointed that we didn't kick on and didn't assert our authority. But uh, I suppose four points in the week isn't to be sniffed at in our situation. Yeah, that's a fair point. I say it's been a pretty positive week overall. It's a shame that yeah we could have put the sword to um, our opponents yesterday and we just didn't. And it's really disappointing. Um, and we'll get on to, especially the second half, why we felt that was such a poor uh, performance overall. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on the game yesterday? I think it very much had a derby feel to it in regards to um, both teams struggling to play their own own way. And I've, I listened to Ohora um, for the game and he said that um, to not let emotions get the better of them. And I actually thought nerves got the better of, of us yesterday. I felt we were too scared to take that um, that final through ball pass like we did against Wigan with Fraser. And as Jonathan said, we just lacked any real penetration going forward. And it's just frustrating at the moment. As you say, Liam, he, there's no consistency in our performances. Wigan was a completely different performance to yesterday's performance. And um, we just, I'm just hoping we just finally hit that formula. And uh, we just get things going on uh, tomorrow. Well, Tuesday night's game against Northampton. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I think Russell Martin spoke about um, how he didn't see many mistakes from the players. And I unfortunately disagree. I feel there was we're doing so much overbuilding in our play that we just generated mistakes for ourselves. It was didn't even the opponents didn't even force those mistakes. It was just us overplaying it and giving the ball away. And um, you know leading to them to have chances and as as uh, Jonathan you mentioned uh, you tweeted us didn't you about Piggott and uh, he was pretty unstoppable yesterday obviously he got the goal a pretty well did well to score actually uh, beating off uh, a horror and then get around the keeper um, but yeah I, Piggott was great and uh, we didn't really have a chance to stop him um, which is frustrating as yes you highlighted Jonathan he's, he's one of the main threats to the team essentially also can I jump in and say something yeah, go ahead, yeah. Um, just looking at October form at Stadium MK, we've got eight points out of 12, which at the start of the month, I would have happily took so far. So in regards to that, I'm quite happy. But if I know our waveform's pretty dire at the moment, if we can get something, something similar to that in our waveform, we're going to be more than safe from that bottom half come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'd even argue that if we kept up the form we're currently on now at home, we'd be more than safe anyway. Um, but yeah, there's, as I said for years, there's for some reason, going away from this stadium or away from Milton Keynes, these teams just don't 
can't hack it and I don't understand why um we spoke about on previous podcasts how it's happened over previous regimes and I don't understand why and at the moment Russell Martin doesn't seem to either um but hopefully we'll end down Tuesday um yeah so Jonathan you briefly mentioned it um I've titled this bit Fisher to the rescue and he kind of was yesterday to be honest um obviously he had two great saves the second half to deny Joe Piggott and um I believe he got man of the match in some places. I'm not sure um, who are, who are Joe and the sponsors gave man of the match to. I'm assuming it was Lewington from what I, the comments he told us yesterday. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. And um, I think he's really nailing down number one spot and uh, giving Lee Nichols a really tough time to get back into the team. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on how Fisher played yesterday? As I say, he was my man of the match with them two key saves against uh, Piggott. Um, he was very composed when needed. His distribution was quick and efficient most of the time. And I think one of his doubters, because when he came in, I always thought Lee Nichols was the one. And I'm a massive fan of Lee Nichols. He was, he was one of the best shot stoppers in the league. And I, I've always questioned whether um, Fisher was going to be that number one goalie. And since he's came in, he hasn't put a foot wrong. And he's proven me wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to pro- um, be proving a few others wrong. I think he's been a very good signing um, so far. Yeah, I say I mean uh, me, John, me, Jonathan, and Gabe said they were talking about last night, and uh, yeah, I was very pro Nichols, like you, Ross, and um, I still am to be honest. Uh, but yeah, he's just struggling with the ball playing side of things in this team, and uh, it just seems to have a better hold of it, and he seems a bit more composed on the ball. And as you mentioned, distribution was really good yesterday. Um, so yeah, I can't really complain. We had a great game, uh, Jonathan. What are your thoughts on? Fisher's performance yesterday. Yeah, well, since he's come in, he's, uh, I don't think he's really put a, a foot wrong. Couldn't really do much about the goal. Obviously, Piggott rounded him, but uh, as uh, as we've all said, he's composed on the ball. He's um, He actually comes for, for crosses and corners as well, which is a bonus, which sometimes Lee didn't do to his detriment. You think of Ipswich, uh, sorry, Lincoln this season. Um, and as uh, as me and you said to Gabe last night, Liam, that um, I think Fisher's I think Fisher's got the league league position sewn up. Um, I think Lee will get a chance in the next week when we've got Eastleigh and Southampton under twenty threes coming. But it's whether whether Lee's done in, will do enough in them two games to move Fisher. And I, don't, I honestly don't think he he will just on the uh, on the distribution and just the calmness he seems to to bring in our sometimes erratic defence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, Andrew Fisher was the focus for the um, like digital red dot programme for the game yesterday. And uh, he spoke about having like real confidence in his back line. And I'm sure that's replicated for the back line to him. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, Lee's going to have a tough time getting back in that team, I think, in the league. Unless it's Fisher's job to lose, essentially. And I completely agree with what you said, Jonathan. Yeah, so we touched on it briefly in our general thoughts, um, but there's a real lack of consistency in chance creation. Um, I took some stats from Sofa Score from the game, focusing on the second half, um, and we didn't we, had, we didn't have a single shot on target in the second half, and that was despite having six shots in general and 69% possession of the football didn't have a shot on target in the second half. That is absolutely ridiculous, and I don't I don't take those that statement lightly either. Um, yeah, considering they were literally 
just poofing the ball at field. Like the last 15 minutes of the game, they weren't even playing football really. Um, they were literally just getting the ball. It's like on FIFA, we just boost it in the air and give back to the goalkeeper. And for some reason, we just couldn't break, break it down. Um, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on perhaps this lack of consistency and chance creation and um, why do you think it's happening, I suppose? I wrote my notes. Uh, the less we speak about it, the better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but overall, as we said, there wasn't nothing going forward and it was quite concerning. Um I think it was quite attack versus defence, as you say, Liam. Um, but I felt like the wing-backs, they weren't getting as high as we uh, usually thought. And um, we normally use that as an, as an option, especially against um, Oxford in the first half. So I feel like we just lacked that just composure when on the ball. And we didn't actually... I, don't, I didn't feel like we were actually going for it and uh, we were more comfortable passing it around as such. So um, I thought they needed that drive and I felt if the fans were there, we could have possibly pushed them over the line and scraped a 2-1 win. So really, would have the fans changed this result? That's the question I want to pose to you two boys. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to answer that first? Uh, yeah, uh, I honestly think that um, yeah, I think I think the fans would have definitely changed that result. I mean, kicking towards the carriage in the second half, like we all like they always do, um, especially towards the end of last season under Russell Martin. You think of the the Oxford game in particular, his first win. It really sort of that that to me just felt like it was a performance where the fans got got the win rather than like the team. Um, in a strange way, and um, I suppose it is hard, sort of, because they do class it. Even though they said it was a derby on the radio, it's probably more of a more of a fierce rivalry. Um, but I just feel that in them sort of games, you have, if you have the fans, it's literally a twelfth man, and it can it can boost the performance. And I just feel that if they start the second half, well, obviously they start. The, they didn't have a shot in the target. Obviously, the fans would have got on their back on and sort of helped them hopefully create more chances and put more pressure on that um, AFC Wimbledon defence because we're honestly, I don't think we're even, I'd be surprised if Truman actually made the save at all in that game because he was, he was um, apart from picked, he was anonymous. I think it was one shot on target for the whole game. Um, so yeah, that says it already, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, you know, the fans, no matter what stadium you're at, and uh, you get lots of jokes about, oh, yeah, you know, the atmosphere is ridiculously bad at our stadium and things like that. But they make it, they make a difference no matter where you are. I don't care if you're in a one thousand seat or a thirty thousand seater. Um, so yeah, I think the comments, your question was very fair, Ross, and I think the comments that Martin made after the game uh, were very fair regarding that as well. I was quite surprised um, that Dan Harvey didn't actually get the start over Sorinola. I just feel I like Sorinola in terms of the driving runs he can make, but I don't feel they're as often as they could perhaps be. And I feel Harvey offers, um, yes, a bit of feistiness, um, but also a better delivery into the box. And I think we were missing that yesterday in terms of just getting it in there. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on uh, maybe if you agree with me or if you don't, uh, Ross, you got any thoughts? Um, I think it was post-Oxford. Um, Russell Martin said, once we win a game, um, 
that's going to be the winning formula. And I feel like um, he's carried that after the Wigan result. He felt we got the win then, and I think there's a real positivity and upwards beat in this squad. So I felt like he, he felt that he had to stick with his squad as such, and um, he wanted to make that momentum going into this game. So I felt Sorinola, he deserved to start. But as you say, Liam, I don't think he, play, he, he was a type of player to suit that game. Yeah, um, well, I can only, yeah, I echo those thoughts. Uh, Jonathan, any thoughts on um, Harvey or Sorinola? Uh, I completely agree with, with Ross that I don't think there was any need to sort of drop him after the Wigan game. He, he basically was involved in, in both goals. He won the penalty and put the cross in that went back to Walker. I just feel yesterday just wasn't his game. It was quite a few overhit crosses and his decision making wasn't wasn't quite there. Um, arguably, could he could he have got us a penalty? I think I think Russell was pushing it a bit post match, saying that two penalties, maybe one of them. I'm not quite sure um, what you guys think. Whether you thought that Sorinola was fouled for both of them, um, but I just just feel that. As, as Ross said, just just consistency. I mean, he didn't even change the starting lineup, which just shows what um, what faith he had in the in the squad from from Tuesday, and that's been very rare from Russell, obviously, this season. Yeah, that's yeah, it's true. Um, personally, for me, I don't think there are penalties. I think he was uh, trying to get a decision from the ref, especially after that goal that got disallowed like thirty seconds in. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Jonathan. So you wanted to bring up Jordan Houghton as a. We've got we've got on your notes here that you said it was one of his better games for a while. So do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, well, I just feel obviously David Kasumi's had a really good start to the season, minus his uh, yellow cards and that. And obviously this was an opportunity for Houghton to stake his claim. And I just feel the last two games, I think the Wigan game, he sort of played it safe, just kept it ticking along and then he sort of upped his game especially in the second half he had one brilliant pass I don't know if you remember that he opened up the defence and he found Paul and for better ball in I think I think we would have scored I think Paul dragged it in and AFC cleared but that's that's what Houghton can bring Houghton can pick a pick a forward pass I think a bit better than Kasumi especially those um, diagonal um long-range passes, and I just I just feel like he's getting back to the form he, he showed towards the end of last season under Russell Martin, just when he was the, the pivot and everything was was obviously going going through him. And I, and I feel that having someone like Sorensen um, took the pressure off him, I don't think um, AFC really sort of pressured him like most teams normally do when he's got the ball and he's back to goal. And I just feel having Sorensen there, someone who doesn't mind taking a player on and uh, and uh, obviously taking the ball with him, just takes the pressure a bit off Houghton to express himself. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually, Jonathan. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a game that suited Houghton, I felt. Um, you know, if, I said AFC were kind of sitting back and that's the kind of game that Houghton's needed for us. And not only does he provide the right balance between Sorensen and Fraser, but he also can pick out a pass very well, as you mentioned, with your examples. Um, yeah, so I say in that type of game, uh, he would be perfect. I'm not so sure whether he 
is a type of player to play against Northampton, for example, on Tuesday, who are a bit more aggressive and like like to be on the ball and um, aren't afraid to take on and challenge players. So it would be interesting to see if Houghton uh, maintains his place over, like, say, for example, um, But yeah, I agree with his comments completely. Uh, Ross, do you have anything to add on Houghton's performance? Yeah, I was looking at um, a few stats of his and he'd more than done his job. He won five out of six ground duels, which uh, Kasumi, he does at times, but um, sometimes he gets caught out. Uh, but also something that I noticed about Houghton, he was starting to use his left foot a bit more. And I know um, he's very, well, from last season especially, he was very one-footed and he, he more than favoured his right foot. So... Um, it was just actually refreshing to see that he was trying to use his left foot and uh, it wasn't always straightforward with your right foot sort of thing. Yeah, he looked comfortable in the middle and um, his passing range, as Jonathan said, it, it just, it just, I think he offers a whole different ball game to what Kasumi does. And um, I feel on the whole, he's very good competition for Kasumi to make him better as a person. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, enough of ASC Wimbledon at home. Um, so it was, a, it was a poor performance and um, I hope we can move on on Tuesday's game against Northampton Town away. Um, as Joe's not here, um, Ross, why don't you take us away to Northampton Town and let us know a bit about them? Yeah, so on Tuesday, we, uh, we've got the short trip to the Sixfield Stadium. They've played 10 this season. They've only won three. Um, they've drew one and they've lost six. Uh, a figure which uh, surprised me was they've got the worst goal difference in the league. And maybe that's something Milton Keynes can exploit going into Tuesday's game. Our form against Northampton is a bit, uh, bit of a strange one because that six field has been pretty poor. And from the top of my head, I can't remember the last time we've had a win there. But the last six matches between the sides, it's even MK and Northampton winning two each and uh, drawing each as well. So it'll be interesting to see how MK play at the six fields and hopefully our fortunes turn around on Tuesday. Going into this Northampton side, they play a 3-4-3 formation with Sam Hoskins leading the line. One goal and one assist this season, which uh, surprised me a bit considering he's leading the line. Uh, you've got Ricky Corboa out on the right with two goals and six appearances. And uh, Rose out on the left, who's got the, just the one goal in four appearances. So my question is, are Northampton there for the taking, considering they've conceded so much this season? And maybe we could get that elusive away win. Well, I think they are, Ross, uh, in short. I just checked um, on one of the apps I use, and last time I went to Northampton... Do you want to take a guess at the year we last won at Northampton? Uh, Jonathan, why don't you give us a guess? Go on. Well, I can never remember. I've been there about four or five times and I don't think we've we've ever won. So it's obviously pre-2014-15. So I'm going to go 2009. Okay. Well, we did win in 2009, but we also won another year. Ross, do you want to take a guess at the other year? My head. I want to say 2011. No. So, yeah, so we won in 2009, 1-0. Uh, uh, and we won in 2013, 2-1. Two, 
according to uh, SofaScore. Uh, ben Reese and Banton in 2013. And then that was the score for 2009, but we won 1-0 apparently. So yeah, there you go. Won twice on the Hampton apparently, but as uh, as we know now, it's been a very long time. But yeah, Ross, I think they're there for the taking. You know, you mentioned how the, the goal difference is the worst in the league. And I feel players like Fraser and aforementioned Houghton are going to find some really nice spaces in on the pitch to find players um, and open up the Cobblers' defence ultimately. I feel like this could be a Joe Mason game. I don't know why. Uh, it's just a gut feeling. Um, it, it feels like the type of player that could thrive in this one. I feel like there's going to be a lot of chances created and I feel Russell Martin's going to really drill this um, attacking or attacking elements into the team on Tuesday night and uh, he's the type of player um, perhaps if Cagsy isn't fit that Joe Mason could come in and hopefully uh, get into form and put some of the chances away. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on the Hampton Town heading into Tuesday? Well, it's it's a very intriguing game. They're only a point in the place above us. And I feel that if it wasn't for lockdown last season, they might not, it may, might not have even been in League One. I mean, fair play to them. Um, they got promoted. Um, on the points per game, um, and uh, when Callum Morton joined in January, he's now injured at Lincoln. He basically helped them get promoted from from January until the uh, until the playoff final at Wembley. So I feel like they've um, the spine of their team's been heavily affected. Uh, obviously, Charlie Good and uh, Bedane Oliver have also left, and uh, they're just fine finding it hard to adjust without that quality. Um, and I also feel that um, Nicky Adams as well, I mean, he's got, we all know he's got a heck of a delivery on him back in his very days and he's carried it over for, for Northampton. I think he's, I think he passed 700 um, league appearances yesterday against Wigan, I believe. Um, and I just feel that we need to sort of keep tabs, keep tabs on him and, Obviously, keep tabs on Hoskins because not only is he a is he a striker, he, he can be a playmaker as well. So he might drop deep. So it, it could be a could be an interesting battle as to who picks Sam Hoskins up. Yeah, I'd love to call on Sam Hoskins. Actually, um, I've seen in the past few games he's been operating, you know, as either like a right mid or a right winger in this sort of system they use. And uh, yeah, he's I think he's been one of the standout players this season. Obviously, they got. Uh, Keen Bolger is the captain in from um, Lincoln and they seem to be pretty good at identifying these sort of centre-backs who can be those leaders um, and he's coming and started in pretty well. So yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see, especially how we cope with the three attackers, as Ross mentioned, as we play a three-back ourselves and uh, could be prone to the counter-attack once again, maybe. So gents, if you've got any other comments, should we go into our starting 11s? Yeah. Um, yeah, so as usual, um, from now on, I'm going to get uh, myself and every guest um, will, you know, write down their particular starting 11s and we'll sort of talk it through and essentially build a consensus lineup going into uh, the, the following game, which is Tuesday night. So I'll start off with mine. Um, so as expected, you've gone 3 5 2. Um, got a fair bit of rotation in mind, just because I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, so Fisher in goal, no surprise there. Uh, so we've got, got Willow, uh, Keogh and Louis as the back three, uh, Paul and Harvey as the wing-backs, and then got Gladwin, Houghton and Fraser as the midfield three, and then Morris and Mason up front. 
Uh, Ross, why don't you use your lineup first Tuesday night? Um, same goal, um, obviously, Andrew Fisher. Uh, I've got a slightly different back line in O'Hara, Keogh, and Louie. I felt far the Joe Piggott. Um, I don't think that defence had any issues at all um, with keeping an AFC out. So I think Russ will cross that back line once more and go with that. I've gone with um, Paul out on my uh, right, right back and um, right wing back, sorry. And I've gone for a change in Harvey out on that left. I think Sorinola will drop out. Um, I've gone with Gladwin, Kasumu and Fraser. I feel like Kasumu will suit this game a lot more because of um, he's a lot more mobile, agile, and a lot quicker than what Halton will be. So I think he will suit that counter-attacking football, which Northampton will try and do to us. Um, and also, I think it will be Morris and Jerome up top. I've only gone with Morris, only um, because... I feel like Morris and Jerome, their link-up play um, in recent games has been very good. And I think um, Russ Martin mentioned um, Walker picking up a slight knock. So I think he'll probably rotate him in, um, through this game. So I'm, I've gone with Morris and Jerome at top. OK, yeah, nice. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you take us through your lineup? Well, same goalkeeper as you guys. Um, no, no debate there. Um, same back three as, as Ross. So we've got uh, Keo, Louis, and O'Hora. Um, I've then gone for George Williams at right wing back simply because I, I just feel Regan needs a rest. I mean, arguably Regan could get that rest in the coming weeks with the Czech trade and the, the FA Cup. But I just feel, considering he's travelled with Wales this month as well, the uh, under under 21s, he's had quite a lot of game time. And I think himself, Fraser and Lewington have played all the, all the games essentially this month. So, um, yeah, I just feel that Regan need, needs a rest at some point. Um, I've gone Harvey at left back as well. Um, I think that's one of the more obvious rotations. Um, I've then gone... Houghton, Sorensen and Fraser, simply because I feel, again, Sorensen might be the, the guy that um, can, can move with the ball and take players on, open up the spaces a bit more. Um, Northampton are quite good defensively, so we might need someone in the midfield to, to, to create the space for, for, um, for Fraser. Um, I can't see how he can drop after the last two games personally but there's no I'll have no arguments if Kasumi does come in and um, I'm going with um, Morrison I say Morrison Jerome up top I just feel that they've got a good connection and um, it may look a bit physical but when you've got Keen Bolger and Michael Harriman in their defence will um, it might be ben more beneficial to have a hold at play and have runners from midfield uh, and from out wide. So, yeah, that's my starting 11. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with the uh, Morris and Jerome points you two made. It's interesting how we've all got a different free midfield. Um, I'm not too sure how we're going to come up with a consensus lineup there because uh, obviously me and Ross have got Gladwin, whereas, um, you know, you've got Gone with Horace and yourself, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I mean, the reason I, I don't know, I think the reason I picked Sohora is just because I feel Williams will. I think he, I don't know if Ahura was amazing against Wimbledon, AFC uh, Wimbledon. I know, obviously, Ross, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it was, it was Piggott and anyone shows a deal with Piggott, but 
I just feel that we like we saw with Williams how he got dropped, and it was it was mostly down to him that led to their goal. I don't think Ahora himself any favours in defending Piggott's goal either, and I'm just wondering whether he'll be punished for that or if um, Russ will keep faith in him. Interesting how you put um, Williams at right wing back, Jonathan. Do you not think Sarnola could step in there, as that's, that's typically what he's been doing, like say preseason and some trick or trade games? Um, I mean, yeah, he could he could do that that role, but I I just feel that um, if you remember, Russell Martin also said that he was cramping up towards the end. So I feel that he's yeah, whichever way you think about it, he's not going to start. He's going to get a bench spot at the very most, but. Yeah, conceivably he could play right right wing back. I just feel that Williams has got the experience to to cover that role, especially in a in a low well, again another localish sort of game um, where it could be a bit tight and it could be a case of keeping keeping your head. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Pretty much, but it's been just to see who starts at that level, I suppose, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. Uh, so, gents, let's get into our predictions. Um, I'll start, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I feel the Dons are going to benefit from a much more leaky defence in Northampton than uh, AC Wimbledon were. Um, and, you know, if we're talking about this roller coaster of creativity, they're running down at the moment. We're going to go up. And I feel this up is going to be in this game. Um, so, I feel like we're going to get our first win since 2013 in Northampton and we're going to win 3 1. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you give us your prediction for Tuesday night? Well, hopefully I can get this one right because obviously someone on this uh, podcast, no names mentioned, has gone two from two so far this week. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Do, do, obviously, probably going to Joe, isn't it? Because he's not on the pod. There. So anyway, um, I've gone with a, a one 0 away win. I just feel that to get our first away win, it's going to be a bit scrappy. It's going to be a bit sort of. Um, it's not going to be the free flowing that, that we're expecting. Um, Northampton are probably going to play like um, AFC Wimbledon did and just sit back and hit us on the counter. So again, we're going to probably be the possession kings of Europe again. Um, and I, I just feel that Stephen Walker is going to come off the bench and, and just provide a, a moment of magic. I, I don't know why, I've just got this gut feeling that Walker's going to score the winner at Northampton on Tuesday. So yeah, I'm going for a 1-0 away win. Yeah, well, I mean, your gut feelings, Walker, mine's Mason. Uh, Ross, you got any gut feelings, your prediction? It's quite a strange one. So, um, Northampton have seen over 2.5 goals in their last five home games. So, I feel like, as you say, Liam, they're there for the taking. Um, but also something which I wanted to mention was that Russ won't be happy with that attacking performance. He, he knows that second half wasn't good enough. So, I'm expecting... a um, a bit of a um, bounce back as such um, of a performance in this Tuesday's game. And I'm hoping we create and um, we punish this Northampton side. So we have got the players. And um, I just feel like we've got a bit too much, um, hopefully, for Northampton's uh, back line. And I'm going for a 2-0 MK Don's win. Yeah, nice. So all three different score predictions and uh, hopefully well, all three uh, positive results, which is what matters. So yeah, thank you very much for listening to episode 10 of the MK1 podcast. Uh, short and sweet this week, but um, you know, didn't want to elaborate too much on Saturday's performance as um, 
to be quite frank, there wasn't much to talk about. Um, so yeah, if you could um, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to us. Um, as we always say, you know, the uh, reviews especially give us uh, feedback on what we do well, what we don't, and you know, um, the reviews get the podcast out to more people. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.